God's word be heard. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. In the 11th grade, I had a history teacher named Mr. David. And from time to time, as will happen with high school students, uh, an incident would occur that we felt was unfair in some way. Perhaps we thought he had given us an unfair punishment or our grade on a particular assignment was not fair. And as high school students will do, we would come to him and lo, we would whine. (laughs) And Mr. David had one response that was his standard response anytime his students came to him whining. It was this. Life is not fair. The system is not fair. The system does not care that life is not fair. (laughs) And we would return to our seats feeling defeated and sad. And over the course of my 11th grade year, after, after, you, after we had heard that over and over again, and after you'd heard your peers get that line over and over again, over the course of the year, the class sort of fell into this collective sort of, uh, well, complacency. Why bother? <laughs> Why bother arguing? And of course, that's exactly what he wanted, right? Leave me alone. (laughs) I've thought all this week about Mr. David and and his favorite little uh, wisdom saying as I've read this story of the widow and the unjust judge. You see, she's in a Mr. David type scenario. Um, Life is not fair. She has hit big-time unfairness. We know this because, A, she's a widow. Her husband has died. That's not fair. Any of us who have ever lost somebody that we care about, we know that it just feels like it's not fair. But beyond that loss, if we look at sort of the, the story itself and the details in it, we notice that this is a woman, a widow woman, who is having to approach the judge alone. And what that means in this society is that she doesn't have any male family members to protect her, to take her in, to advocate for her. She is one of the most vulnerable members of this society as a widow with no male to help her or protect her. Life is not fair for her. Now, she goes to the judge, and when we reach the judge, we realize that the system itself is not fair either. Now, it's supposed to be fair. What this judge is supposed to be doing as part of this Jewish legal system is he is supposed to be making sure that the vulnerable in the community are taken care of and that they are not taken advantage of. In the Torah, the books of the law, 
was the first five books of the Bible as we know them. There are provisions made for the vulnerable in the community to make sure that they are able to survive. So provisions for widows, for orphans, for the poor, for aliens who are living in the community, outsiders who are living within the community. There are provisions made to make sure that they can stay alive, that there's food for them to eat, that they are able to be clothed, that they have a place to live. The Torah is all about protecting the most vulnerable members of society. And yet, when this widow woman goes and approaches this judge who's supposed to be upholding the Torah, he does anything but that. She is being exploited in some way. We don't know what it is specifically. And rather than upholding the law, God's law, he keeps shooing her away. Eh, leave me alone. We don't know why. It's possible that he's a corrupt judge. It's possible that he's maybe getting kickbacks from whoever her opponent was, that he's been bribed in some way. But what we know is he's not doing, he's an unjust judge, right? He is not doing what he's supposed to be doing. The system is not fair. And we know that the system the judge in this case as the representative of this system, doesn't care that life is not fair. He's not concerned about that. Because when he finally does relent, is he relenting because suddenly he's been convicted with a sense of, of his duty, of his God-given duty as a judge? Is he convicted with any sense of what is good and righteous in this case? No. It's all about his self-interest. He doesn't care about the fairness of it. What he cares about is this. If you look at the line in our translation, it says something like he basically wants her to stop nagging him because she's going to wear him down with all the nagging. Now, the NRSV translation actually takes some of the punch, literally, out of the original Greek. Because in the original Greek, what he's thinking to himself is, I better go on and give, to, give in to this woman before she punches me in the eye. <laughs> What we don't know is whether this judge literally feared that this vulnerable widow woman was finally getting so angry and so riled up that she was going to come and smack him and literally give him a black eye. So we don't know if it was a concern for actually his physical safety or if it was more a matter of concern for his reputation, if he meant it metaphorically, like she might blacken my eye, I might have a bad name because of this. Because it could be that through her persistent persistent uh, pursuit of justice and her persistent pointing out that he's wrong and he's treating her unfairly, she might expose his corruption. And that would blacken his eye, so to speak. So it could be that he's just concerned about his reputation. But either way, it doesn't have anything to do with God and God's justice. It's about him and making sure that his reputation is, remains intact right? So it's a totally self-centered act and has nothing to do with justice. So Jesus is telling this story at a point in Luke when he's been trying, he's on his way to Jerusalem, he's almost there. And you guys have heard all these parables, all these stories of healings as he's headed toward Jerusalem, he's almost there and he has just finished trying to tell these disciples, look guys, it's about to get real. 
I'm not always going to be with you. You've got to figure out how to carry this thing on when I'm gone. And he's trying to explain to them, life's not going to be fair after I'm gone. The system's not going to be fair, and the system's not going to care that life is not fair. So here is how you survive. Here is how you carry on. You act like that widow woman. And when you come across the unjust judges, the unjust systems, the unjust powers of this world, your job is to keep pushing and keep pressing. But your job is also to keep praying. Because while the earth might be full of unjust judges, there is a just judge who reigns supreme. And you need to stay connected to that judge through prayer. Because it's through prayer that your heart is made strong to continue fighting for justice. It's through prayer that you maintain your connection with this just judge. So persevere. Keep praying. Don't lose heart. Keep your heart as close as you can to the heart of God. Now, of course, we know Jesus is going to come right up against this unjust system. Jesus gets killed on a cross because life is not fair, the system is not fair, and the system does not care that life is not fair. The disciples witness this firsthand. They know it. But what they must do is continue to persevere, to pray, to not lose heart. And Jesus is not just talking to those original 12, y'all. He's talking to us. Because guess what? Even after Jesus died on the cross, and even after Jesus rose on the third day, guess what, y'all? Right now, today, look around you. Watch the news. Life is not fair. The system is not fair. The system does not care that life is not fair. And Jesus is calling to us even today saying, don't lose heart. Don't fall into complacency. Don't say, well, that's just the way it is and there's nothing more we can do. When you are the victim of an unjust system or your neighbor is the victim of an unjust system, be like that widow woman. Persevere. Pray for God's justice. Don't lose heart. It takes a lot of patience to live in this world and to persevere in faith and in prayer when things seem so unfair all around us. And so I started thinking this week, who, who would be a model for us of how this works, of keeping the long view when in the immediate things seem so hard? And I thought about the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., who had a real good understanding of what it took to stay faithful in the face of immediate injustice because you had an eye on what was coming down the road 
that God was bringing, that long-term holy justice that was going to rain down on the earth. Now, it's interesting to me that when we see news stories or see little like blurbs on Facebook or whatever about Dr. King, generally like the secular world talks about just sort of like what he did and how he organized like the, the sit-ins, the boycotts. Um, but here's the thing, what the secular world doesn't talk about is guess what every bit of that civil rights movement was grounded in? Prayer. You don't talk, we don't talk a lot, at least not outside of the church, about the fact that those meetings, that those groups, those first groups of Dr. King's were calling, those were prayer meetings. They weren't meetings to organize what we're going to do. They were prayer meetings. Those people were sitting together and they were praying. They were praying for God's justice and they were praying to understand what it was that God was calling them to do in order to be like that widow woman and poke at these unjust systems. Every bit of the civil rights movement was grounded in prayer. We forget that. And Dr. King has this quote, and sometimes you'll see it popping up on Facebook. But the quote is that he has come to understand that over time, the arc of the universe, the moral arc of the universe, bends toward justice. Have y'all ever seen that quote? He was actually riffing off of another preacher back in the 1800s, but basically it's part of this sermon that he's preaching. And he talks about the fact that, y'all, in the short term it looks bad. In the short term it looked bad for Jesus. Caesar killed Jesus. It looked bad. But look how things turned out. Who's Caesar? Caesar's a salad. That didn't come from Dr. King. That came from my husband. Caesar's a salad now, isn't he? And who's Jesus? The moral arc of the universe bends toward justice. So y'all, I'm here to tell you today, Mr. David was right. Life is not fair. Persevere. Pray. Do not lose heart. The system is not fair. Persevere. Pray. Do not lose heart. The system does not care that life is not fair. Persevere. Pray. Do not lose heart. The moral arc of the universe bends toward justice, God's justice, God's truth, God's redemptive love. Persevere. Pray. Do not lose heart. Amen.